Welcome to The Demon Show. This is a podcast where we explore Canadian culture and politics from a biblical Christian worldview. My name is Reese Demon, and I live in Caslow, British Columbia, currently employed as a pastor. And I'm joined by my brother, who is a pastor, but only to his kids, Forrest. And my wife. Oh, and your wife. Yeah. Why did I? Uh, yeah. Yeah. To his family. I'll put it that way. To his family. That's right. Pastor Dad. Uh, Wasn't there a book yes. called Pastor Dad? Mm, probably. There's a, There's been a book for everything. It seems like uh, that would be something that somebody would want to write a book about. Yeah. Yes, I am Forrest. I live in the Crows Nest Pass currently, and I am not employed. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I am an employer. And, right. well, not even that. I have... I employ one subcontractor, so that kind of makes me an employer. You're it's a self-employer. Like you employ oneself. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you <laughs> well, are employed and an, are an employer. Yes, both things. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I am the worst thing that a bank could ever look at and see when it comes to money is they go, oh my goodness, you're self-employed? How dare you? We won't give you anything. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's Banks. the life of being self-employed. Banks are the worst. Mm, well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, I think say I can think of air. worse things than <laughs> banks. I shouldn't say that on air. What if I get caught? What if they're like, oh, you said that we're bad. Now we're going to give you, we're going to increase your interest rates. Yeah. Well, Wait a whatever. second. Increase your interest rates? Sorry, whatever. If a, if a bank, bank was to do that, I guess, well, it depends on where the interest rates are. Yeah, if I meant more like, the account, more like on my credit card. <laughs> ah, yes, you don't yeah. want that. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, uh, so uh, this is going to be our last recording for the year 2020, uh, the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, 2020. Um, Actually, I think it's just 2020. Uh, the proper English way to say 2020 is not 2020. Whatever. I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you. This is okay, the proper way. Okay, all right. Way. Fine. Well, 2020 is the year no, that no, we're no. in. No, no, no. Let's try that again. <laughs> okay, the year sorry. of our Lord, 2020. Uh, 2020. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. 2020. So, um, we're... <laughs> we, uh, this has been... Uh, I think the the Babylon Bee said it best. Uh, they said their headline was "2020 uh, is the worst year on record, provided you never lived at any other time in history." Um, yeah, but it, you know, so it, it has been a difficult, an interesting, and convoluted year. Um, it has not been the worst year on record. Uh, I want. I bet you somebody has 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 a, a website out there that that has the worst year on record. I bet you somebody out there has decided which oh, year sure. was the worst. Um, probably sometime during the Black Death is likely what it is. I mean, it could also be when God flooded the earth and killed mm. all people on it except Noah. And and his wife and kids, yeah. And their wives. Right. So that, that's possibly the worst year possible in human terms. Could be. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean there's there's been a lot of bad times in this world. Right. Um and 2020 has been difficult somewhat for us living in our uh first world and 
with all of our amenities and everything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, for us to equate it with, you know, like you say, the 1300s when people were dying of the Black Death or, you know, to equate it with times when even, you know, the, the year that Pearl Harbor was bombed or the year that the Japanese cities were destroyed by nuclear weapons. Yeah. I mean... I'm pretty sure those those were worse for those yeah. people than 2000. Those people would be way preferring to live through 2020 than to live through those years. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we wanted to talk about this year a little bit and kind of reflect on it a little and maybe give a little bit of perspective, which I think is what we're already trying to do. Um, and And hopefully we can offer some hope. Hope would be nice. Uh, because there's there's things to be hopeful for. There's things to be optimistic about. Um, so uh, yeah, this year, uh, this year's been a really long decade. Uh, I heard I heard somebody say it's there's been a. It seems like a lot of stuff has happened this year. Granted, right? Like, grant to anybody sure. that seems like a lot of stuff has happened this year. Um. Do you remember in January that there was like these major wildfires in Australia? Yep. It seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yep, it sure does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like and then uh then uh, in like March, that's when kind of the the real bad coronavirus everything began. 15 days to slow the spread. Um Yeah, I mean it really depends on where you look, uh, the I recall being in February watching the Chinese government talking a lot about right. COVID, and yeah. as things started to change there, um, as Italy started to all of a sudden surge with cases and that yeah. sort of thing, um, and and really make the case for it being a very deadly disease because of the nature of the Italian population being disproportionately aged. Yeah. And and so the start of what happened there, yeah, that, I mean, it really shaped the way that I think we in North America looked at the virus and what it was and how to deal with it. Well, yeah, and, like, I, the way that I was thinking about it at the beginning of this year in like February and March is a lot different than how I view it now. Right. Uh, with, with the information, I wish that I knew then what I know now, because the way, like I was, I was pretty freaked out. You know, they were saying that millions were going to die. It was going to sweep through our communities and kill all of the elderly. Um, and even some of those who were not elderly uh, that, that yeah. was the, the way that they were talking about it. And so, yeah, like it, it was a pretty freaky prospect at the beginning. Um, our church shut down. Uh, did your church shut down? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, and some of that was before the government even ad like commanded us to lock down. You know, lots of us were locking down voluntarily. Right. And, uh, and then as, as time went on, you know, I, I remember very distinctly um, at the end of March coming home and my wife 
sanitizing all of the groceries that I had just brought home because there could have been coronavirus on them. Um, and I sort of, that was when I, that was actually, uh, the reason I remember it so well is because that was kind of the beginning of my eyes kind of being opened and thinking, hang on a second, this is a little bit silly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and say, like I, I said to Melissa, I don't, don't, don't sanitize all the groceries. Like, do you really think that we're going to catch COVID from a loaf of bread? Right. Um, it seemed a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I started like when things shut down and everything like that. Um, I recall, you know, there was a few jobs that I was on and I went to a few people's houses and people were not really sure about things. And it was an interesting, it was interesting to start talking to people and getting people's opinions and hearing what people had to say about these things, following the news, right? Following, mm-hmm. okay, what, oh my goodness, this is happening. What is happening, right? How many cases do we have, right? Cases, cases, cases. And, and it was a lot of media consumption that wasn't all good right or a lot of it was bad yeah yeah and uh it seemed like that uh i during that shutdown um that's when i really started to question everything (laughs) uh question everything that i was doing because um as a pastor i wanted to be able to um I wanted to know that what we were doing was, was the correct thing to do. And I wanted to make sure that I was, uh, actually, um, yeah. So, so with, uh, with shutting down church, was I doing the right thing by shutting down church? Um, and through the shutdown, basically by the, by the end of April, I decided, no, I was doing the wrong thing, shutting the church down. This was not what God commands us to do. Um, we, we ought to keep the churches open. We ought to be, um, you know, and I even said, uh, in a, I, I preached a message in September on, on COVID response and stuff like that. Um, and I said, like, I, I won't recommend shutting down again. Um, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, and, and it really doesn't provide a, unless at the end of that statement, right? it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And, uh, and so for me, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that questioning, you know, questioning my approach. And then I started to question what, what was everybody else's approach and whether that was correct. And, uh, now I'm, well, annoyed is, is primarily my, uh, my emotion that I feel, (laughs) Right. Um, Well, and like, if we go back to March, April, the, the story, and I mean, I guess I can't just say March, April, but since March, the stories have, has changed so fast. Mm -hmm. Every, every six weeks or so, it's something new. There's something else. There's, there's something else being said, being told, being talked about. Yeah. We have seen, we have seen everything from lockdowns that 
you know, you can go to a restaurant and get food, but it has to be a no a, a no contact um, takeout. And so yeah. then, you know, you're getting delivery and people are knocking on your door and leaving the food and then you get it once they leave. Or, you know, then, then we saw, you know, okay, you can go to restaurants, but you can only have, you know, a, a certain capacity. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, now servers in restaurants need to wear masks. Okay, now you need to wear a mask when you enter the restaurant and to get to your table, and then you can take it off. And the, But you need to wear it if you're going to go to the bathroom or if you're going to head back, you're going to head outside afterwards. And now in Alberta, we're seeing we're back to you can take you can do takeout, it doesn't have to be no contact, though, but everybody has to be wearing a mask when you're doing the takeout. Right. So we've seen such a wide variety of responses and, and decisions made. Okay, we're going to do it this way. Okay, now we're going to do it this way. Now we're going to change it this way, right? Um, yeah, well, and, and I think um, a, a big part of the, the approach to this whole thing is heavily influenced, and this is a more philosophical thought, but uh, it's heavily influenced by the fact that our culture is a post-truth culture. We have abandoned truth. And so right. what you see is that the narrative changes all the time, switches to something new, and we kind of go along with it because we're so used to truth not being really all that important anymore. Mm. So, yeah. like... It was at the in March. It was we need to flatten the curve, right? And and they always said, look, there is there is no way to stop this virus dead in its tracks. But what we can do is limit our contact and slow down the the virus enough so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. And there right. that was not going to prevent you from getting COVID. It was just going to postpone you from getting COVID. And, and then, only for a very short amount of time. That's right. And then o- over the course of time, that has that narrative has shifted to now we need to lock down so that we don't get it. So that we basically right. can starve out coronavirus and so that we can basically cure it. Uh, and, and then and now they're talking about a vaccine as well. Um, but th- whatever happened to the the idea that we can't stop you. You can't stop yourself from getting it in the end. You're probably right. going to get it. Um, but what you want to do is is not get it right away so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. And yeah, then there was just, the whole thing about yeah. masks, um, telling you at the beginning, you don't need to wear a mask. And then telling you, you must wear a mask. Uh, and just, uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, because we don't we don't believe in truth anymore, and so when they change the narrative overnight and say the complete opposite that they said before, we don't even notice. Right. We just go along with it. We just say, okay, well, I guess we have to. Yeah. So before we, I think, move on to masks, because I think that's a whole thing in and of itself that we should talk about. Um, I think the next big thing after kind of COVID started was all of the unrest in the states Uh that bled into canada um all of the black lives matter protesting 
that ended up coming to even Caslow, right? Small, yeah. tiny little community, and there's Black Lives Matter, you know, marching on the yeah. streets, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we talked about that back, I mean, in episode 10 or something like that of our show, yeah. that you had mentioned that, you know, okay, this, this hasn't affected me or my community at all. And yet we are still buying into that, right? Yeah. And it just showed how much this North American culture is reliant upon each other and that mm-hmm. how much Canada takes from the United States. Well, yeah, and, and with the with the election, um, you know, that's had huge impacts on Canada. Right. And I think that, uh, I mean, there's, there's a whole wing of the of the country basically or of the continent who is calling anybody who questions anything a conspiracy theorist right and and that's that that's really not good (laughs) um because you're in some sense you're afraid to even ask a question because you don't want to get labeled a conspiracy theorist and it's a it's really a brilliant tactic by by that one I don't even know what you'd call them, the left, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they have successfully branded anybody who asks the question, what is going on as a conspiracy theorist? And so, you know, you might say, well, especially if you look at how the election is playing out in the States currently, you ask yourself, so is this COVID stuff in any way related to the handling of the presidential election and is the Black Lives Matter protests in any way connected to the presidential election? And if you ask that question, you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's a legitimate question. I think you you look at, at this year and you ask, what was the big event of this year supposed to be? I would say it's well, the U.S. presidential election. Yeah, in the states for sure. Well, and and like you just said, it bleeds into Canada. It does. It's so. This is something that actually has been talked about a lot in some of the, uh, especially American talk shows that I listen to, that have labeled COVID as a. It's all about the U.S. presidential election, mm-hmm. and. Trump that is seems, the cause of COVID. <laughs> right. That seems a little bit of a stretch to me just because of how how much it has impacted places that are not the United States. Right, of course. Um, yeah. Places like Canada. I mean, the response to COVID in Canada really didn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. Right. Um, it had to do with what our leaders saw as necessary now was that for political reasons or was that for actual health reasons? Yeah. I think that could be debated. Um, and, you know, maybe I'd be called a conspiracy theorist because I'm saying that, you know, I think that I think that in Alberta, uh, Jason Kenney felt so much pressure from the, the side saying, you're wrong for your response that he changed because of political pressure. Uh-huh. I don't think it really, I don't think it had anything to do with anything else because he very clearly said, we're not doing this. We're not locking down. 
And then he locked down. And yeah. then he locked down. And, and in so, a post-truth culture, <laughs> right? you can yeah, do that it, without it, much consequence. Oh, yeah. He didn't even explain, you know, okay, I said this. Here's where my opinions changed. He just said, oh, no, we have to change it. And yeah. so this is it. We're having, right? And it's yeah. like, well, hold on. You said that that doesn't work. Like, you told us. You told yeah. all of us Albertans, lockdowns don't work. We will not do lockdowns because they don't work. And then you locked everything down. Within so, within a very short amount of time of saying that, too. Yep. Very short amount of time. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I hadn't really considered the post-truth world thing, but that, man, that describes so much of this, right? Yeah. Because, you know, even just looking at being able to say that you have to limit your contact with others because of COVID and then seeing a Black Lives Matter protest with 10,000 people and that doesn't spread COVID. Right. And so you go, and, and they can say those things in the same news broadcast mm-hmm. and all of us go, okay, yeah. right? And we nod our head and we kind of, our eyes glaze over and we just accept it. Yeah. Well, yeah, like if you if you abandon absolute truth as a concept and you no longer believe in objective morality or objective standards um, in of any sort, then you can legitimately, and according to that worldview, you can really, you can almost in some sense legitimately say that when we do it, it's okay, but when you do it, it's not okay. Right. And because truth doesn't exist in their worldview, and truth is whatever they declare for themselves, they are never wrong. And you right. are never right. We are never right. right. Yeah. And and those of us who have who have objective truth as something that we adhere to and believe in, and for those of us who have objective moral standards, well, we're caught in a in an awkward situation because now our enemy can cheat, but we can't. Right. And, I, and I'm not talking specifically about the American election, although I am talking about the American election, because look, you have one side the the left side who has abandoned truth and morality well if if they're okay with butchering millions of babies every year are they going to blink twice about rigging an election right that's not a big deal compared to to com- comparatively and right. yeah exactly and yeah like and if you look in our own country the generally speaking the conservatives are cautious about lockdowns and say, eh, I don't know if this is a great idea. And generally liberals, leftists are all for it because right. it's, it has been split down the political aisle. And there's, I mean, in Canada, a lot of the conservatives are actually liberals. Um, and in, whereas in the States, you, the divide between liberal and conservatives a lot is a lot cleaner um, right. than, than it, uh, than uh, it is up here. But you have people who don't believe in truth on the one side and people who do on the other side. And the people who don't believe in truth are able to change the rules willy-nilly, do anything that they want to do, say anything that they want to say. And the rest of us just sort of... I mean, on on the one side, we sit there being like, excuse me, <laughs> but nobody cares. Right. Because they've and, all bought into the lie. And because we don't actually see 
the and I say we, but uh, let me let me clarify that a little bit. I think a large portion of those who would call themselves conservative, those who are on the right side of the political aisle as opposed to the left side of the political aisle, are are guilty of the what I would say is one of the gravest pol- apologetic errors, um, and this can be go, this can go into conservative liberal, um, and it can also go into the Christian world as well. But and that is giving ground, um, mm-hmm. ceding the ground to the other side. So we and the, so I'll explain it in the Christian sense. When we debate with an atheist, we a lot of Christians will say, "Okay, we'll debate it on your terms. We'll go to your worldview, assume that it's right, assume that there is no God and that the world is came from goo, and that everything evolved to how it is now. So we'll see that, and we'll we'll argue from that point, as opposed to a Christian saying, "No." God is real. God is truth. We must stand on absolute truth. The only absolute truth is scripture. That's where we stand. Mm -hmm. And so the conservative, even if you go to the political side, the conservatives have for a long time been seeding, you know, okay, you know, we'll give in on whatever it is and Everything. and we'll let you guys have the, we'll let you guys have the ground and then we'll try and fight on your soil. Um, and we need to stop doing that as conservatives. And so that's why... We need to toughen up. <laughs> right. And that's why eventually the conservatives all end up going liberal is because they don't... They've all been fighting on liberal ground. And so eventually they begin to think, well, this is where I've been for the last 25 years. I might as well just set up camp. Yeah. And, and then the divide goes somewhere else and they move over there and fight for a while until they set up camp. And it's the leftward trajectory of the world, I would say, not yeah. just politically, not just religiously, but the world in general um, veers left. And yeah. we have to fight to keep the world going right as opposed to going left, if you will. Right. Uh, I think it was uh, Albert Moeller talking about um, becoming a, a school, a Bible school president, where he said that drifting to the left is easy. Um, but if you want to take something to the right, you have to yank it to the right. Um, because if you just leave something on its own, it just sort of naturally drifts in, in that direction. Whereas if you want to maintain, you know, let's say traditional values, um, you know, I, that's maybe not the best term, but but we'll say traditional values, you have to hold the line there. You have to right. keep it, and if you want to go back to traditional values, well, that's in that's a in a big way going against the grain, the natural right. tendency. Yeah. Uh, and so, as Christians, the natural tendency of humanity is towards sin, and we are in the process of we are in the war of pulling humanity from the brink of its own destruction. That is right. our task, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and so we we yank, we pull, we but but we act. But when the church stops fighting, when and when you know you could apply it politically, when conservatives stop fighting and start to drift with everybody, 
well, then you get into really dicey territory and you end up, like you said, seeding ground because we're basically just becoming what we want to fight against. Right. And that's not good. And yeah. and so I think what you see, what you're seeing right now is in our political moment, both in the States and in Canada, although I think it's more pronounced in the States is you have conservatives who are trying, who are starting to think maybe we ought to dig in our heels and stop drifting. Right. And you know, they, they're seeing um, cheating in an election yep. and uh, the, the liberals will say who cares in some sense um, whether if they even acknowledge it at all, and some conservatives will will see it and acknowledge it, but will say we're not doing anything about it. And then yeah. there are other conservatives who are saying, "Nope, let's dig in our heels and let's fight." And they, I mean, they've chosen Trump to lead the charge, which is you know you can debate the wisdom of that, but right. um, they that is kind of the person that they've chosen. They are digging in their heels, and are they going to win? Are they going to lose? Well, I, cynically speaking, I kind of think they're going to lose because they haven't been fighting up until this point and it's a little bit late to start now. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, maybe in the next one, the fight will be on and conservatives will actually be ready for it instead of naively mm-hmm. thinking that it's not going to happen. But I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, interesting. I I don't know. I I thought I had something to say, but I don't think I have anything to say <laughs> well, anymore on that. That's okay. And I like I look at our at our own political climate in Canada. You know, we are a Canadian show, and what you see is in all of the major political parties. Uh, this is by the way, I, I'm a member of the Christian Heritage Party officially. I don't know mm, if I've cool. mentioned that yet. Uh, <clears throat> after our our conversation with Rod Taylor, I, I went on and I joined the Christian Heritage Party because if you look at our at our current political landscape, you have uh, socialists and almost socialists. Right. And that's all of the people who hold seats in the House, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and um, and and there is no conservative party. Which is truly conservative. The right. conservative party is pretty much just liberal. I think mm-hmm. I heard somebody say uh, that they are the liberal party of the 1980s. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know who said that, so I can't really I credit mean, them for it. But To a certain extent, the, the uh, fiscal policies of someone like Paul Martin would be not... You would not be used at all by conservatives today, or because they'd be too conservative. Right. Like the their some of the stuff that he did. Now he was also very liberal and did a lot of mm-hmm. very liberal things, but a lot yeah. of his the principles just wouldn't be used today. Right. And that's you know that's a drift, a general drift of the country to the to the left and mm-hmm. to liberalism, and that. That is because, so this is something that uh, when I, I was listening to Cross Politic today, um, which is a great show that talks about American culture, American politics, and stuff like that from a Christian worldview. Um, and 
one of the things that those guys were saying was we should as Christians be outnumbering the pagans that the Christians have babies um, pagans don't sodomy does not produce children um, the environmentalism does not produce children um, Christianity produces children and so we should be outbreeding the pagans if you Certainly. will and yeah. yet we aren't because we are sending our children to the pagans for education right. um and it's like vody says if we send our children to the roman school for or if we send our children to caesar for education for 40 hours a week we shouldn't be surprised when they come home as romans yeah and we as a christian culture in canada and you know i can just say this in canada we've made this decision that we should be sending our children to the public school system and we've been continuously sending our christian children off to be de-christianized in the public school system um and whether we dress it up in some fancy oh we want them to be salt and light in the schools or whether it's just i don't want to teach my children at home that's too hard yeah. Either way, we're we're sending them off to be eaten by wolves. Yeah. Um, we are sending the sheep just right into the wolf pack, um, and it shouldn't be surprising to us when a whole bunch of little Romans come out and then vote left because yeah. they've been brought up to believe that the left is correct. Well, and we've, as Christians, as conservative Christians, we have bowed the knee to pragmatism right we have said um well if we vote for actual conservatives they won't get elected so we'll vote for these sort of half conservatives because yeah. we actually think that they have a shot of getting elected and when you do that well then they're going to grow in popularity and they're going to grow in influence and yeah. then we are going to be left out in the cold. If you vote for people who aren't going, who don't respect you or your values, then you can't be surprised when they get into power and they don't respect you or your values. Right. And so, like, we look at you look at the Conservative Party in Canada right now, and so many Christians vote for them. Why? They don't respect us. They don't respect our views. They nope. they don't care. They, they don't have any intention at all of putting a stop to abortion in any way. None. Right. If you, if we elected a conservative majority government to the point where they held all the power, they still would not respect our religious freedom and they still would not abolish abortion. And right. so why are we voting for them? Well, because who else are we going to vote for? Right. Well, vote for anybody. I, I, it's getting to a point, I think, where we have to stop voting like the Americans vote. Really? The Americans have a two-party system. And so you are either voting for a, a conservative or a liberal. Right. In Canada, we have a multi-party system. And so, you know, in the States, if, if a, a president gets elected... They can be usually, generally, now this last four years have been crazy, but generally speaking, they can say, I represent more than half the population. Right. A majority. I represent a majority. 
now in Canada, nobody can really say that. No right. reigning political party can say, I represent a majority of the population. Because even in my riding, there was a liberal, an NDP, a conservative, a Green Party, and a People's Party of Canada all running in in the election, in the past right. federal election. Yeah. And so in order to win the seat, you have to win a little bit more than a fifth of the vote. Interesting. And so, you know, we have a conservative MP, which is nice. It's better, I guess, than having an NDP MP. Um, but the, the, the guy does not represent the majority of the people, I wouldn't right. say. He represents a little bit more than the fifth of the, of the people in our riding. And we yeah. have a big riding, you know? And so like, we have got to stop thinking like the Americans and thinking voting for a conservative means that, or if a conservative government gets elected, then that means that we have a majority of the people in our country who like conservatives. Yeah. That's just not the case. Yeah. And we've got to stop voting. Like that is the case. We've got to start voting for people that we actually believe in. Right. Whether or not they get elected. Yeah. And, and we need to stand upon conviction that we, we want to see our country do good and not evil. Yeah. We want to see our elected officials do good and not evil. Yeah. And so we need to actually be looking to have somebody as our representative that will do good and not evil. Right. And if we're just going with who can likely win and not who will do good and not evil, then we as a, de as a democratic people, as a democracy, are choosing as our representative someone who does not represent us. Right. But rather somebody who we think can get elected. Right. Electability should really not be our number one consideration as conservative Christians. Right. It really shouldn't be because that person, you know, they might get elected, but they probably won't represent your interests. Yeah. And so what's the point? At that point, yeah. you've just thrown your vote into the garbage. Mm -hmm. So you might, we, we should be as Christians using our vote for something better than that. Mm -hmm. um, we have been given a voice and we should make our voice known. We should not just throw our voice into um, the lesser of all of the evils, we yeah. should we should use our vote to call on our nation to repent. And so I'll say it, in my opinion, we should be voting for the Christian Heritage Party because they are actually a Christian party that will actually actively work to end abortion, to fight against things like euthanasia, to fight against all of those, those problems. Yeah. And so, like... Why, why are we voting? Like, I, I don't know that I will ever vote for conservative again, unless I'm in a riding where there is no one else. They, they are the best one to vote for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Like I look at it like what's, what is the point of me voting for someone that I don't really like and who won't represent me? Right. It does. It seems like a waste. And so if yeah. I'm going to waste my vote, quote unquote, I might as well waste it on someone I actually like than someone that I don't. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think 
we've kind of derailed from our initial conversation (laughs) Um, (laughs) and maybe to veer back to a little bit, um, you know, we're, I guess I've got a couple of questions, but before I get to those questions, does here, here, here's the eschatological question. So before you get to those questions, you're going to ask a a different question. I'm going to ask a different question before I get to the other questions. Yeah. Here's the eschatological question. Was 2020 so bad that it means that Jesus is coming back soon? I suppose that depends on who you ask. Is, is this it? Is this the end of the world? Like, I mean, this is this is the worst. This is like the worst that it's ever been. And so the that means that, that Jesus is coming back, There's right? never been a year as bad as this, ever. Right. No. Never. Never. And this, our I country mean, cannot get any worse than, than what it is now. Our nation, right. our culture— Cannot get heard. worse. Um, I've yeah. heard that this was the absolute worst year on record. People, people are getting way more evil than they used to be. Haven't you noticed how how much more evil people are now than they used to That's be? That's right. Yep. People used to be so great. What happened to people? I mean, it used to be that you just you know there were Vikings raping and pillaging up and down the uh, coast. I mean, and... in yeah. It used to be that people were selling others into slavery and, and then whipping them and beating them. And now, like, we don't do that anymore. See how much more evil we are now than we used yeah. to be back then? Yeah. I mean, think back to, think about, think about, thinking about how great people are. I mean, think back to the time of Abraham. Nobody was bad in the time of Abraham. That's right. Nobody, it's not like anybody was so bad that God rained fire and brimstone down from the heavens on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> twenty twenty is not the worst year. This is sarcasm, people. If you don't get and, it, and 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 the point that we're trying to make is, is that if you look at the world in, let's say, the year seventy, the year of our Lord seventy, when the Romans sacked Jerusalem and burned a large portion of that city to the ground. Um, People as, were eating their own children. Right. Um, we could look at when Nero was burning down Rome and blaming the Christians. We could look at so many different things over the years. And the point that we're making is, look at how far and wide the gospel has reached in 2020. As compared and what a difference, to, And what a difference it's made to our society. Right. We would not live in the great society that we live in in Canada were it not for Christianity. Yeah. Were it not for the spread of the gospel. And this is a bad year in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of unfortunate things that happened this year. But that does not in any way mean that the spread of Christianity is limited. Um, the spread of Christianity in places around the world, places like China, is growing immensely. Um and we don't see it in North America because we are so hyper-focused on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are so hyper-focused on us, 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 me, 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 that we cannot see past the end of our noses. Yeah. And and there is great hope for the future. Um, it's, it says in Scripture that Jesus will reign until every enemy has been put under his feet and the last enemy to be defeated is death. Yeah. And so before Christ defeats death, every other enemy will be placed under his foot. 
which means that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Um, I've been learning, I've been teaching my children, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. This is the kingdom of heaven. We are working, Christ is reigning at the right hand of God the Father. Amen. And he is putting all things under his feet. Yeah. Well, and, and like, you know, people will, will cite statistics like uh, in in the 20th century, uh, there were more Christian martyrs in that century than all of the previous 19 combined. Um, but, you know, there's a saying that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Right. Which means that if there's more martyrs in the 20th century than any previous century combined, then that means that there are going to be way more Christians in the 21st century than any previous century combined. Uh, I, I believe that God is using all of these things in order to grow his church. The church grows best in adversity. Right. And so uh, adversity is not the enemy of evangelism. Uh, adversity is actually a great benefit to evangelism because God brings people to a point where they can't rely on themselves and they recognize yeah. their need for, for him. And so I, I, I think you look at um, COVID in North America, I really do think that COVID is God's means of purifying the church, that he is exposing people for the hypocrites that they are, for the self-centered, self-righteous hypocrites that they are, and he is encouraging the true church through it and is helping us to know ourselves better and and is helping us to think of ourselves less <laughs> yep. and 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 that there will be i think in north america uh even if it's not what you would consider a revival that god will revive the hearts of his true people yeah uh, so when we think of revival, we think of like hundreds of people getting saved every night at a tent meeting kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean is more that God is is um, is going to revive our hearts of, of established believers and is going right. to say, hey, you know, get off your butts and and start living more consistently. Start living for me more. And I think that I think that even if uh, things get kind of bad in North America, which it might, yep. probably will, um, that that does not hinder God's ability to save more people than ever before. I right. mean, you look at China, and the church is growing at an unbelievable rate. Mm -hmm. Sorry, China. You look at China. Uh, it's the church is just amazing. I, I personally believe that we will live well if we live to be old, that we will live to see the country China become a Christian nation. Yeah. Because of how and, fast the church is growing. Right. And, and you know, this is I think there is cause for hope in the world, and like you're saying, totally. the, the, there's there is optimism to be seen. Um, Absolutely, it, we we need to have a view that goes past this year, or the next four years, or the next ten years, or even the next hundred years, um, and see what God is doing and what God has done in this world. Um, and I think there is a great reason for us as Christians to work hard to leave a legacy for our children. Um, 
that and to set things up for them to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if we as Christians can raise godly Christian men and women to come up after us, it only takes a couple of generations of faithful men being faithful fathers and husbands teaching their children who will then become faithful men or women who will be teaching their children yeah. and and we can see great change come just by just by being faithful dads or faithful moms yeah we can see a great revival happen in two generations yeah. by being faithful in our families and yeah. so that's the you know god god is good and god is all the time god is doing amazing things in this world and we need to not be distracted by you know a year that was kind of crappy oh yeah i mean the missionary movement in africa right now in southern africa is exploding it right. is it is unbelievable the amount of churches that they plant the amount of uh g- the the amount of gospel that they spread uh yeah. it, it is unbelievable uh in in the middle east it is the church is is a, doing amazing things uh right. we don't do amazing things because we don't have uh we don't have enough lack and therefore we don't have to have as much faith yeah and i you know you see the reaction of the church to the sniffles sorry not to downplay the virus but you see you see the reaction of the church to this pandemic in north america and it's really pitiful how little faith we have right and how we are so willing to hide in our homes and do nothing rather than run the risk of catching something that might kill us the reality is that the whole world might kill you come on Yep. Every time you get into a car, you have no guarantee that you're going to reach your destination in one piece. Yep. But we've we've coddled ourselves to a point where now there's oh this there's this really bad really really bad chest cold, and what are we gonna do? We we have to shut everything down. We have to lock down the church. We can't meet together. We can't encourage each other. We can't spend time together. We can't live in hope that whether by life or by death we are firm in the hand of god we right. we don't live that way anymore why not you know wh- where whatever happened to to live as christ to die is gain mm-hmm. that's in philippians 1 to die is gain that that means that if you get coronavirus and you die you're better off than if you never got coronavirus <laughs> yeah that's that's the way that the apostle paul lived and that's the way that we are expected to be as Christians, mm-hmm. why don't we behave that way? Why don't we act like that's true? And it's because we yeah. don't have faith. So we don't, we don't, I think that, like I said, the Lord is using this to expose us for what we really are. Uh, and, and that we have, we, we are being exposed as the unthinking, uh, routine people that we are, that right. we go to church because it's convenient. We don't think about why we go to church. We don't think about, any of those things. We don't think seriously about anything. Right. And now we, <laughs> and now we have this, we have this crisis where the government says, don't go to church. And we just sort of say, okay, we don't think at all. Is the government doing the right thing here? 
are we doing the right thing by obeying them? There's no thinking at all. It's just right. do as you're yeah. told and that's it. Just do as you're told. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no discernment. There's no faith. Well, there, there is. And I shouldn't say that because I, we are saying that there's reason to be optimistic <laughs> and I, and it's because there's, we are, I think we are encouraged. I'll, I'll, I'm speaking for both of us, but I, I definitely speak for myself that I'm encouraged by a lot of, uh, really great teachers and church leaders out there who are standing up for what they believe in. Yeah. There's a, a church in Langley. Um, a Calvary Chapel. And I mean, I ain't Calvary Chapel, but that guy, that church was willing to gather together and they received a fine and they said, okay, still not canceling church. Right. Good for them. Yeah. Where, where, where are the rest of the church leaders out there saying, um, fine, take all of our money. What do we need money for? We have Jesus. Mm hmm. You don't have a whole lot of pastors out there doing that. And so, I mean, yeah. hey, that guy's great, and I'm encouraged by it. And I and I think that over the course of the next, maybe the next year, you're going to see a lot more churches and church leaders being like, you know what? No, we are going to meet together, and you ain't stopping us. Right. And I think that that's great. So that's that's an encouraging thought. Um, and I, uh, I, I want to ask this this is coming to my questions um what what was the best thing that happened to you this year or what is something great that happened this year my wife is pregnant with our third See, that's that's a really great thing yeah, yeah no that's awesome it's super awesome yeah um i think for me um the I, I have a couple things. Um, this podcast has been a great thing that oh, yeah, I that have really loved. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, and and well, it's just you know this is uh, something I that I love to do. To the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, also for me, Advent this year. Um, mm-hmm. I had no it's idea awesome. how good Advent could be. Um, yeah. I love Christmas, and I think Christmas is amazing. And maybe we should have done a Christmas show, but. We, uh, our family loves Christmas and this year, you know, we made the decision, Hey, let's, let's take this to another level and let's talk more about Advent and the coming of Christ and, and the, the learning that I have done and the, the things that I have been talking with my children about have been such a blessing through yeah. Advent. And, and so that's been a great encouragement to me. Um, so those are a couple of things that I have, you know, really yeah. Hey, I mean, Advent, like you're totally right. Advent is more meaningful this year, I think. And I think it's because this year has been a little bit harder. Um, You know, there's more stress. There's more everything. Right. Advent is such an encouragement to to say, like what what we're doing with our kids for Advent is we're every day we're talking about a different name of Jesus. Um, Mm. And just talking about all the things that Jesus is and does. Right. Yep. And, and that's a, this year, that's an encouragement. That's, it's huge. So I think you're spot on. That's super awesome. Uh, what is one great book that you've read this year? Great book. Rules for Reformers by Douglas Wilson. Interesting. Rules for Reformers. Um, it is, I think it should be an essential for every Christian man to read. hundred hmm. uh, percent. It is, 
it is all about engaging the culture. Um, but it's also very practical for the day-to-day living of a man, in my opinion. So, Interesting. Yeah. What about you? Um, I read Future Men. By also Douglas by Wilson. Douglas Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You can tell who is who is influencing us these days. Yes. Yeah. As as a father of two sons, um, reading that book was challenging. It was convicting, and it was really great. Um, yeah. And that that's shaped a lot of kind of my thoughts in the past little while. Um, also reading The Household and the War for the Cosmos. Yeah, C.R. Um, Wiley. Yep. Check out last that, episode last, or two weeks ago. Yeah, that, that. that was yep. a great book. Um, and I read it because we were going to have Chris on, and man, I really liked it. You did not regret it. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, yeah. And so I do recommend, you know, if you if you got Audible, get it that way, or download the Canon app and yeah, Canon Press subscribe. has an app that you can get, and you can get a subscription for $100 a year, uh, and you have access to all of their audiobooks and all of their videos and all of their podcasts. Uh, and that would be and all three of the all three of the ones that we just mentioned are yeah, all are on, on the Canon yep. app. And I've been so. reading another one uh, called Fidelity, which is about being a one-woman man, um, which is really good for men to read. Um, I read um, – there's a really good fiction book on there called Evangelifish which was also great. So check those out. I also this year for the first time ever read the fellowship of the ring, the two towers and the return of the King. So, so yeah, uh, good year, good times. Um, really, I really enjoyed, uh, my, my reading and, and my study. And so anyway, um, but it has, there is things to be optimistic about. Um, yep. we should be glad that the Lord is faithful uh, even when the year is hard and and we you should be able to look back and say, "Wow, the Lord has done great things for us." Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for listening to the Demon Show. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Facebook or on Parlor, Parlay, Parlor. Um, you can send us an email at the Demon Show at gmail dot com. Please uh, give us a rating and review if you can uh, on your podcast app, however you listen and. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add there, Forrest? Other than we will see you all in 2021. Amen. Yeah. Lord willing. All right. <laughs> Catch you on the flippity flip.